This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I am your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Celeste Ng, the number one New York Times bestselling author of Everything I Never Told You and Little Fires Everywhere. Her third novel, Our Missing Hearts, will be published in October 2022. And here we are reading a letter from a listener. the subject of celebrity desks. Uh, I should take us into our last letter, um, but it is, I think, in keeping with like the themes of Marjorie Hillis, at least, because it's very much like, what am I to do with my life and my heart? Uh, should I dispose of it? Uh, should I hand it to someone? Should I keep it? What's next? And, and I feel like I've got some useful, brisk ideas for this person. Hopefully you do too. So I'll take our last letter. It is asking what is love on Yahoo Answers, which I find very charming, and I hope that you have found helpful answers there. What is love? No, seriously, I'm a queer woman in my 30s and I've never been in love before. I had some short-lived crushes as a teenager, but all my adult relationships ended because I didn't feel any serious romantic or sexual desire, just an intense platonic connection. I've thought before about what being aromantic might look like for me without much of a conclusion one way or the other. About a year ago, I met a queer polyamorous person who already has a primary partner, and our relationship has developed from occasional casual sex to regular not-so-casual sex to texting every day. I think about this person almost constantly, not obsessively, just threaded throughout my regular thoughts. I want to spend as much time with them as possible. I've daydreamed about moving in with them and their primary partner and becoming a thruple. I've only met my metamor twice. I know this is unwise. Side note, I don't know if this is unwise. I don't think there's like a rule of like, oh, you must meet your metamor at least five times. So just throwing that out there. It's nice when it's nice, but when it's bad, it's unbearable. The fear of rejection, becoming privately and unreasonably anxious over any friction, the general state of being a little out of my own control, the intensity of the feelings I have remind me of the crushes I had when I was younger. So how do you know if you're in love? What does romantic love even mean for queer, non-monogamous people who don't want to get married or have kids or be exclusive or even necessarily be together forever or literally any of the stuff the Hallmark Channel said that love is? I was a little suspicious of the Hallmark Channel crack, but it turns out it was founded in 1992. So I was like, okay, you, you might have actually grown up watching the, the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> I've been chatting a whole lot. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this one before we kind of get into the nitty gritty? I have so many thoughts on it because I, I, I feel this question very deeply because when I was younger, I spent a lot of time with my friends sort of, we were trying to decode like, you know, what are the parameters of being in love? We're like, are you, are you, do you just love them? Are you in love? It, it was like a little, like you said, like this idea that there was some kind of like a litmus test you could do, or, you know, like some kind of manual you could check. And if you, you know, you check off 12 of these 15, you know, points, then yes, you are in love, right? If it's less than 12, then you're not in love. And this is not coalescing into any kind of useful actual piece of information other than that, you know, if you you like someone and you think about them a lot and you want to spend time with them, it sounds to me like that might be love. And that sounds like 
a beautiful thing. The question of how do you know if you're in love? I guess I'm thinking I still got those desks on the mind. I feel like sometimes you you don't you just know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it seems to me letter writer like you're trying to figure out like I know that this is unlike those previous relationships where I felt like a close platonic connection but mostly inertia beyond that. I know this is not like that, but I also don't know if it's yet exited the territory of like youthful adolescent crushes. And so it seems to me like at least some of the question or the fear here is I'm worried that I've got a lot of one-sided infatuation, but that if I were to share this with my partner, um, I'd be met with something like, oh, kid, that's sweet. Or like, I like you a lot, but not this much. Or I've already given up 80% of my affection to my primary partner, and I can only offer you 20% in return. So maybe some of the fear here around, is this love? Is it not love? That tension is, if I were to externalize these feelings, would I be met with reciprocity? Um, or would I be met with like, oh, you're you're acting like an adolescent. This is just a crush. You need to grow up and and behave more or feel more reasonably, moderately less. Um, that that was yeah. what I was kind of getting from that. Yeah, I I hear in this letter too, letter writer, sort of a a concern about where is this going? Because um, I think that. I guess societally, we have a lot of thoughts about like that love needs to have an endpoint, right? Whether it's the traditional like, and then you know, you you live happily ever after. You get married and you move into your house with your one point three kids or whatever it is. You know, the the question about what is what does romantic love mean for queer non monogamous people who don't want to marry or have kids or be exclusive or you know, what I hear in that is a a question about what's the end point, and I feel like that. I understand that that concern about it, but it's that question of like the fear of rejection. If you say this, where is it going to go? Where do we go from here? And I wonder if it needs to go anywhere, but if you are feeling like it needs to go somewhere and you are finding yourself wondering what is the next step and that the place that you're in doesn't feel like a place that you, you know, you feel comfortable in, you want more, you want stability, you want something else other than what you have. I guess, I guess the best advice that I have is you might need to take a plunge and that might be part of the next step of externalizing those feelings, like Danny said, and and asking where you are, what what's possible or sort of like where the other person is. Yeah. And, you know, like to me, the, the most immediate sort of next step is just, I think, share some of this with your partner. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I assume that this partner knows that you think about them often and you really care about them. But maybe they don't. Like maybe you've just been trying to behave in like the maximally chillest way imaginable whenever you're together, in part because this is sort of new for you, in part because you're worried that since they already have another partner that they're mostly like done uh, accepting applications for like an exhilarating attraction and affection. Um, and so, you know, you don't need to like show up on their doorstep and and read them this letter. But, you know, I, I think to say something like, I think I'm falling in love with you how does that strike you is probably what's called for in the near future. Um, uh, I would also really encourage you to share with maybe a a trusted friend or two. Like, I think this might be my Mm -hmm. first experience being in love and it's crazy. Like, um, I think probably your, your friends uh, will respond well to that. I think of all the people that I know and care for, if somebody were to come to me and say like, I think I'm in love, it's exhausting. It's awful. 
I would feel very like, oh my gosh, yes, I know. Like, I remember the first time I fell in love or like, you know, uh, one of the more uh, compelling like love experiences that I've had. It often begins in like, this is exhausting and miserable and also wonderful and I hope it works out. And also amazing and, and feels a little bit like you're driving the car too fast. I think that's a great piece of advice. And especially if you've got a friend who knows you well and trusts you, sometimes they can Sometimes because they can see you from the outside, they can give you some insights into what what can feel really confusing on the inside. I mean, sometimes I think my friends are the ones who can be like, yeah, did you not know that? Oh, yeah, let me let me set you straight. Yes, absolutely the thing you were thinking. I can. It's totally clear to me from the outside. Sometimes they can cue you in and kind of confirm things that you might be wondering about yourself. And I think that's a great thing. The other thing that I see here is this sort of like sense of uncertainty about where you stand. And I, I, I read in this letter, or I, I hear in this letter, a longing for some kind of clarity. And so I agree with Danny that having just a conversation with your partner and making sure that they know how you feel, it might not bring you that clarity, you know, just to, to know that, but at least, you know, you, you've then in having that conversation said to yourself, I want some clarity. I'm going to try and get some clarity. And I just want to make sure that they know how I feel about them. Um, I, I think that's a great idea as well to just tell them how you feel because holding that in sometimes I think can, can lead you to feel again, like things are out of your control. And sometimes even just saying that out loud can bring you sort of clarifying feelings about what it is that you want and what you need. Right. And you certainly don't have to let a writer like, uh, you know, give them a laundry list of I'm constantly afraid of rejection or I get wildly anxious over any potential friction between us. Like, I really understand why you might not want to share all of that. But, um, you know, if if part of you has been holding back some of the size of your emotions because you're not sure about what the reception will be, you know, I'll just say, uh, you know, hopefully you're going to hear back. I feel the same way. But even if you don't, um, it's better than trying to just like act calm while freaking out more and more on the inside. Like that way lies madness. And so, you know, I would just share, like, again, this doesn't all have to take place in the exact same conversation. But if you want to say to your partner, you know, I would love to someday talk about the possibility of, like, seeing whether or not all three of us might be compatible as, like, a thruple. Or I would love to talk about the possibility of doing, like, a Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn-style duplex where we're, like, in the same building and, like, in and out of each other's pockets a lot of the day, but not necessarily all in the exact same bedroom. How does that strike you? And again... Maybe it would feel really devastating and crushing for them to say, that doesn't sound good to me. But if you already feel that way, you know. like, what's the other option? Pretend you don't want that and then hope someday they change their mind? Like, that's not really better. Yeah. And I would say, too, you don't even necessarily have to suggest a solution or a plan necessarily. I think that even just saying what it is that you wish, like, I wish I could spend more time with you, or I wish that, you know, you know, you can just sort of say as best you can what you need. And then it, ideally, it'll be a thing that you'll be able to figure out together. And, you know, to go to that question of, you know, how do you know if you're in love? What is, what does that mean? It may be that if you, if you can bring these fears to your partner and they can respond in a way, I mean, this is in a way, it's sort of a, it's a it's a, a test, not a test for them, but a test of what your relationship is just to figure out whether they can respond in a way that feels good to you, right? This this might be the next step of just talking about it and right. being vulnerable with them. Right. And, you know, letter writer, I'm sure that you're aware of this on some level, but, like, you have big and romantic feelings that don't 
gravitate towards like having children or getting married, uh, there's still a, a wide expanse of intensity, romance, and closeness. Like it looks like being honest about your feelings. It looks like I, I would just really encourage you to, to not conflate like commitment, intensity, or um, intimacy with marriage, kids, Hallmark Channel, straight people stuff. Like if if the idea that you're kind of coming up against here is like, well, we're all a little above that. We're too cool. We're too evolved. I'm supposed to only like you a medium, moderate, manageable amount. That's my job as like a queer polyamorous person. I would really encourage you not to think that like it is good and exciting and meaningful to want like big brass band parade style love, like where you're head over heels about someone and you figure out what do you want to do with that? There's lots and lots of options. Um, and it does not have to look like just only liking someone like a manageable half a sandwich amount. It absolutely doesn't. I, I feel like to that question of sort of like, what does romantic love even mean? I think in a way it's going to be, it, it, it does definitely does not have to be the, like you get married and have kids and all the Hallmark channel sort of stuff. But I think maybe the basic expectation would be that like, I love you in a way that feels comfortable to me and I get back some of what I need to, right? And so it doesn't have to be moderate. It could be like if if you feel like, no, I need, you know, I want much more. I want to be a bigger part of your life. Then that's what you need. And and saying that and naming that and then telling your partner that that's something that you need is the first step, I think, in figuring out whether this relationship can can give you that. Right. And so like that that question of what does romantic love mean for queer non-monogamous people, you know, you get to partly define that. But like, does that mean, you know, you want to write like beautiful swoony love notes? Does that mean you want to do some big chivalrous gesture? Does that mean you want to shout it from the rooftops? Does that mean you want to throw a party? Does that mean you want to ask to talk about moving in together? Does that mean you want to, you know, buy flowers? Like, I, I, I want you to feel like big over-the-top, um, exciting, commemorative, celebratory things are still available to you and that you don't just have to roll your eyes and say, like, that's all mm-hmm. what, like, straight marriage is. Like, um, mm-hmm. invite, you know. That can be for you, too. Yeah, invite intensity and yeah. and and, um, mm-hmm. and drama and ritual into love. And I hope that your partner feels the same way and meets you there. But um, even if they don't, um, I want that for you, and I want you to feel like that's available to you um, in, in in all of your loves in the future, whatever that might look like. Mm, I think that's all I've got for this one. I'm excited for you, letter writer. Congratulations on falling in love. That's really, you know. I am too. It's a, it's a crazy experience. It is. It's fantastic, and it's horrible at the same time. And I feel like it's it is a little out of your control, and that's part of that's part of what makes it exciting and scary all at once. Yeah. I am just now like remembering like I spent so much of my adolescence like falling dramatically and self-consciously dramatically in love all the time. And then the first time that I was like (laughs) in love and in a relationship with someone who was like in love with me back, that was also incredibly dramatic and like exhausting and a lot of fun. Um, And it's just, you know, it's a really remarkable place to be. And I wanted to, you know, ride around on a horse and like, you know, carry a crown with his face on it and be like, I am going to do remarkable <laughs> deeds because of the love I bear for my also 17-year-old boyfriend uh, who I met during the school play. And uh, I will take on kingdoms for this tall young man. But I feel like even, you know, even as we sort of chuckle, that's real too, right? I, I, like, sorry, that's I like why like I'm chuckling. Also, yeah. Like, 
I, uh, yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. It's exactly what you said. I feel like, you know, we're we're sort of trained to be like, oh, but that's just, you know, it's just popular. It's not real love, but that's real love too. And it's its its own kind of special thing. No, it's like, I, I mean, I think part of the reason I laugh is just like, it was so much intensity for a 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel such affection towards uh, myself at that age. And 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 also like, you know, what a little, what a little diva I was. Um, but it's it's truly affectionate chuckling. It's not dismissive or, or contemptuous, which I know is easy for for people to do about love, especially young love. And you know, congratulations on recapturing the spirit of your youth. That can be really fun. Thank you for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with a guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form, or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening.